Hi, I'm Jen Naughton, and this is Bookish Society Secrets. In case you stumbled upon us, here's the sitch. We give you the inside dish, spoilers included, about the latest and greatest new books for kids and teens. Because I live by the mantra, so many books, so little time, I'm using this corner of the internet to boost authors and their stories. So, hey, everybody. Today, I'm chatting with Miriam Sarsha Saunders, the author of Trouble with a Tiny T. Very tiny. You can see me. I'm using a little tiny T. Hey, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So your book is available now. Yes. Which is awesome. That's the best. People don't have to wait. They can go right out and get it. That's right. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about about the, the the story, the plot to start with? Yes. Uh, so the story is about a middle schooler, Weston, who heavily identifies with the trouble that he's always getting into, largely because Weston is diagnosed with ADHD and has what he likes to call a vacation brain or a brain that's uh, away on vacation when he needs it most. Um, and that gets him into... Um, a little bit of hot water throughout his day. Uh, so he happens to find magic at his grandparents' house, and he thinks it's going to be the answer to all of his troubles. But unfortunately, instead, he doesn't quite know how to use it and winds up creating a tiny T-Rex in mm-hmm. his bedroom. That's where we get the tiny T from. Uh, and he can't get rid of it. And so rather than Uh, Figuring out the magic, he winds up then bringing his headless plastic army to life, followed by Thor, and they are all battling in his bedroom, and he needs to figure out how to get rid of them by the end of the week when he goes to his dad's house. Meanwhile, he's having a lot of problems at school with his teachers and his friends who are getting increasingly annoyed by his um, some of his ADHD behaviors. But along the way, he does make a new friend, and she helps him a lot, and he helps her too in trying to figure out the secrets to the magic. So I described this book as Indian in the Cupboard mixed with Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a and good... I don't know whether kids now are even reading Indian in the Cupboard. I might be showing my own age because my kids are in their 20s, and they loved those books and then the movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a good comparison. Yeah. It's right in there. It's so, it's so good. It's so you feel so bad for Weston with his ADHD because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to be spacey or forget things. You know, he is trying and it's hard to watch a kid go through that. So I like, I really felt for him. Yeah. Good. I'm glad that's Um, how I wanted you to feel. And also he's very funny. So yeah. then I laugh too. Um, <laughs> I think this would make a great read aloud. I think adults will uh, like enjoy it just as much as kids because it's, it's the whole package, you know, you've got, you know, you kind of go through it all with him and it's a, it's a pretty short time period that it takes place during. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's jam packed. He's pretty busy. Yeah. He's very busy. And I, that was uh, my hope 
was that it might be the kind of book adults would enjoy reading as well. And it tried to infuse a little bit of that adult humor that might go over a, a kid's head a little bit, but the adult would think was funny. Um, yeah. Because I think it would be fantastic for adults to read this with their children, especially those that, you know, might have a child with ADHD and they're trying to figure out how to um, have a little bit more compassion for that child. Yeah, because that's the thing. Um, I don't want to get to, as I say, I say all the time, we can't solve all the world's problems here, <laughs> but so many kids with ADHD, they feel like they, the symptoms of the way their brains work are sometimes annoying to other people. And that's the hardest part of it, I think, is that they definitely don't mean to be annoying. It's exactly. just, it's just like a byproduct. Exactly, exactly. So I really hoped that children with ADHD symptoms would be able to feel less isolated and really see themselves in this character, but also children without it and adults might be able to have a bit more empathy for that yes. struggling child in their class and, you know, maybe make a little bit more room in their hearts for that. Yeah, I agree. So what, what inspired the story? Well, I happen to live, uh, breathe and eat ADHD Okay, <laughs> personally and for a living. Um, you know, it's, it's riddled in myself and my family members, my own children. And then I'm a um, licensed psychotherapist and my specialty is working with families that have children with ADHD. So, you know, and I have two picture books out there that also um, are about kids with ADHD. Oh, I didn't know that. I'll have to look. Yes. Yeah. My whirling. What are, what are they called? My whirling, twirling motor and my wandering, dreaming mind. So one's for hyperactive ADHD and the other is inattentive. But it was. It's really important to me to to show the true st struggle, but also the flip side of having ADHD that it's not all what these children are about and they have an equal amount of wonderful qualities, strengths, true talents that often get well overlooked because the the ADHD symptoms just overshadow everything. And so I wanted to write a story where well first of all I love magic. So I knew it had to have some kind of magical element that would just exacerbate the character's life. Okay. Um, but I wanted to be able to show that he already had everything inside of him that he needed to solve his problems and to, to really bring home the fact that children with ADHD also have tons of positive qualities as well and strengths. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you were doing, you know, the, the world building, I mean, this basically takes place in our world, except for with magic. Right. But how did you decide like what, what could be done and what couldn't be done? That was definitely the hardest part. I'd never um, had to write rules of magic before, you know, okay. so I, that part I sort of just did by the seat of my pants and, and it initially didn't work when I sent it to my, my, I got my agent from this book, but she really pushed back on, on figuring out making the magic make sense. Okay. 
so that, and that was hard. So you, you know, every time you come up with what you think is a solution, then it causes problems somewhere else. Okay. Um, So I, I first, um, and I needed to come up with a bad guy, even though his own ADHD symptoms were a little bit of an antagonist. I also needed to have a true exterior antagonist. And so at first, and you probably won't believe this, it was a Norwegian elf that lived in a rock pile in Northern California. And that's where the magic came. Love it. I wanted to have like, where did this magic come from? Well, yeah. it came from, came from elves and it somehow made its way to a garage sale that Weston's grandfather bought in an old suitcase. Okay. That, that was the origin. And my agent said, I love this story, but you have to get rid of the Norwegian elves. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's too much, but... <laughs> Oh, so yeah, I had to rework the whole thing. And, you know, she just wanted me to bring it down to the child level. So my bad guy then became his friends, really, you know, snake, basically. Um, Yeah. Did you hide anything in this story that like only certain people would know? Like, did you name characters after your kids or did you have places? Oh, yes. In fact, um, so the, the, it's set at my child, my children's actual middle school in my mind. Okay. And so, you know, the, the principal at their actual school is, is Mrs. Peck. And in this, in the book, she's Mrs. Peckinpah. And my kid's math teacher was um, Mr. Widelock, but this math teacher is Mr. Widelot. Yeah. They're the, the office lady is Mrs. Sandberg. She's Mrs. Sandbeam in the book. So, um, nice. but the problem was that I actually love Mr. Widelock, the math teacher. He's fantastic. So I sort of felt bad because the math teacher in Weston's life is not, all, it's not a very supportive teacher. Yeah. Not one of his favorites. I had to write an email to Mr. Widelock explaining, like, I'm so sorry I used your name. <laughs> Not a very favorable character. I hope you're okay with this. <laughs> I hope he was. I'm not sure he's read the book yet. So I wrote it before the book was actually out. So oh, I'll have to okay. be back with him and check. Well, you'd think that he would think it as like an homage, you know? It's I hope like, so. <laughs> like, it's it's just another version of you, you know. It's like the multiverse, right? Right. Like, this is this this, this is, is the your, bad version of you. Your evil twin. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, gosh, would you do a book too? It's funny because I have gotten some emails from kids, parents, reviewers asking or assuming that there is going to be a book too, and I did write it hoping, you know, with a little bit of an open thread. Um, yeah. I was going to say it could go either way. Like it definitely could be over, but yeah. Or yeah. it could not but be that, you know, we now know, um, well, I can't give the, yeah, we don't know anything. <laughs> okay, there is something at the end of the book that allows you to think that there could be a continuation of the story. Yes. You know, but I, who knows? I haven't, there is nothing in the works right now. Okay. Sorry to say. That's all right. So how did you decide to start writing? I mean, you have a full-time job and and you're a mom. And then this is, did you always want to write? Uh, I, I always have written. I loved writing. I used to write short stories when I was younger and poems, but it was nothing that I ever thought I could do 
professionally. Okay. Um, and so a friend of mine wrote a book that she hasn't published yet, but she had me read. And after I read it, I thought, wow, that just seems like so fun. I wonder if I could do that. Mm-hmm. And just for fun, I started writing. It was almost therapeutic after that. I'd put the kids down to bed. I'd sit in front of my computer and start writing. And before I knew it, I'd finished a young adult and gave it to my mother and my best friend to read. And they told me it was amazing. And I believed them. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) And I took it to a young adult writers conference, just so full of myself. Like this thing is going to get made into a movie. I'm (laughs) rich. And I was set up, set straight over the weekend that I had a little bit of work to do in my craft. Yeah. Um, But I I still, I, I loved it so much. I just decided to keep working on it and, and then wound up having this idea for this middle grade, uh, which happened in a writer's workshop, actually. She she had us come to the front of the room where she had all of these little figurines. And she said, pick three and write a scene. And I picked a little bag, a turtle and a crocodile. And from that was born the first chapter of this book. So that's very cool. I could totally picture that. Yeah. Wow. So what was your favorite book when you were a kid or books? It's a book nobody will have ever heard of because it, but it literally changed my life. It's a book called Magnificat by Carolyn and Edmund Sheehan. Mm. And it's the story of a cat that winds up at St. Peter at the pearly gates and causing St. Peter to wonder why a cat was sent to heaven because animals don't, don't typically go to heaven. And so it was the review of the cat's life. And I loved cats when I was young. But I wrote a a fan letter to the author at age 10. And she not only wrote back to me, but we wound up writing to each other almost every single day. Oh, wow. Uh, into my teenage years, into my 20s, until I finally flew across the country to meet her. And on that flight to meet her, I met my husband. Wow. <laughs> Oh, that's an awesome story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. So have you ever gotten, I like to bring this up to kids because we talk a lot about writer's block, but writers read a lot. So have you ever gotten reader's block? Yes. Yeah, definitely. And do you mean where I either don't feel like reading or, or like, you know, kind of that feeling like after you've read something really good and then you just can't really let it go to pick up something new. Oh, that, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. And it's like nothing like in that moment, nothing can be as great as that one book. Yes. Yeah. Where you're so sad to leave a character because you really feel like you've become friends with them. Yeah. You've spent so much time in their in their head, in their life. Um, Especially when you finish a series, I I feel like that hits the hardest because even if it's going to be another year before you get another book, at least, you know, there's still more. Yes. And then when you read that last book, when it's like the end, that's, that's sometimes hard to shake. It can be. Yeah. And they just really sit with you for a long time. Um, that must just be an author's dream too, to have that kind of impact on people to write those kind of characters. 
Well, I always think that's why people ask if there'll be a book two. If they like book one enough, then that's why they want another one because they don't want it. They don't want it to just be one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, do you, have you gone anywhere? Like I was going to say, so like some people who have read certain books, they'll go like on a literary pilgrimage. Have you ever done anything like that? But I suppose meeting, meeting the person you had, a, you were a pen pal with was sort of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say that. Um, other than that, have I gone on a literary pilgrimage? Like when you've gone to visit other, like if you've gone on vacation, do you ever like visit like literary things? Like when I went to Key West, of course, I went by Hemingway's house because I had to see those five toed cats. Even though I'm not like a big Hemingway fan, I was just like, it's like almost like visiting the library, which I also like to do if I'm in a big city. Yeah. I like to at least go by the library and check it out. Yeah, sure. Ooh, I don't know. I'd have to think long and hard about that. Yeah. I travel a lot. I can't I can't think of anywhere lately that I might have done that. So do you still have that YA book in the works or did you shelve it for now? It is shelved for now, but I would love to revive it someday. Sure. Now that I know a little bit more about what I'm doing. Yeah. To go back and and clean it up. Yeah. Um, so what are you working on next then? Um, I'm in revisions on a middle grade that I'm really excited about. So I hope that my agent likes it as much. It is not the not about ADHD anymore. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, is that going to be your theme? <laughs> no. no. Okay. Um, I, I wish I, there there's a way I could weave that in, but I, I can't. Does it have magic? Work. It doesn't have magic, but it has dinosaurs. So okay. that's the link. Well, that's your theme right now. That that's is your, that's link. your link. Yeah. Um, and it's set in a, it's set in a future world where dinosaurs are coexist with man, but not in a friendly way. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Is it middle grade? Yes. Middle grade. Oh, cool. Yeah. I haven't read anything about dinosaurs in like forever. Well, in case, you know, it's not clear. I, I like dinosaurs. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do too. They're like, you would think there would be a lot more dinosaur themed fiction with the success of like Jurassic Park. I, yeah, I you know. know. I know. I like, I like to um, say that this is Jurassic Park meets The Walking Dead, but I'm not sure that's a really good comp for middle grade. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, whenever there's like a scary book in middle grade, I always want to call it like cozy horror, you know, because it's not going to be too much horror because it's middle grade and it's yeah. like, it's like, well, this is just going to like kind of scare you kind of right. like a little, like somebody walking in the room unexpectedly, a little jump scare, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think kids like to be scared like that. Oh, I do too. I do too. Um, my own kids like devoured like all of the goosebumps and all that. And um, gosh, what did I just, oh, I just finished reading Lindsay Curry's What Lives in the Woods. That's Ooh. delightfully creepy. Really? Okay. Well, yeah, you'll have to look for it when it's coming out. Did you read um, her Scritch Scratch? That was also. No. Yeah, Scritch Scratch is already out, so you okay. can pick that up. And that's got a little bit of historical fiction blended in with scary, which is very nice. Like, I was like, wow, that's, it takes a lot to be able to weave in some history. Yes. Yeah, you know? I really admire people that can do that. I know. I know. That's crazy. But I, I, I do like, I just like middle grade. Like, I would just read it 
even if I wasn't reviewing it. <laughs> I just like it. I, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it, it's minus, you know, some of the snarkiness of, of young adult, yes. some of the attitude, just fun, adventurous, lots of exploration. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you fit in writing with everything else that you're doing? Do you have like a schedule? I don't, but I, when people ask me that question, I always like to say I'm the kind of person that winds up having to fit the rest of life into writing. Yes. <laughs> I get a little bit hyper-focused okay. on working on and, yeah. you know, don't want to be interrupted and, you know, have trouble like snapping my mind away from the story that I'm working in. And it's all I want to talk about. My kids roll their eyes whenever I say, I have a question. And they'll say, is this about your book? <laughs> You're like, sort of. Anyway, dinosaurs. Me, me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, but I, it's true. But I do have to work and see clients. Um, yeah. So I, I sneak it into all of the, the nooks and crannies, any free time that I have. I usually start my morning writing before I get into, you know, well, before everyone's awake and um, yeah. before I have to get on with my day. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I have a hard time transitioning as well. So I, I understand <laughs> that's how this whole uh, bookish society started like growing into this huge thing, which is awesome. But also like, I didn't, uh, I didn't plan ahead for it to be like this. So now I'm like, wow, this is like taking up like my whole week. How did that happen? <laughs> and it's just because I will say yes to anything having to do with books. I'm like, all right. Oh, same. It's really yeah. hard to say no. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to say no because books, books are awesome. Because books. Because books. So you should give us a tiny spoiler. What do you think? For this? <sighs> Okay. Well, I, as I mentioned earlier, it was so important to me that um, in the end of the story, Weston, the main character, would come to understand that he isn't only about trouble with a capital T. Um, and so to that end, I, and I'm not even sure if I mentioned before that he happens to be a really amazing artist, which is something that a lot of children with ADHD have in common. Um, many of them are very gifted with art for some reason. So anyhow, the spoiler would be that his ability uh, in art has something to do with solving the problems that he gets himself into. That's a good spoiler. <laughs> okay. That's good. It doesn't give away too much because I was being... So I was like, everything I wanted to talk about, I was like, no, I don't want to tell anybody because the delight of this is just letting it unfold. So <laughs> I know I sound sort of generic, but like, I really, I really did read it and I really do like it. I'm just very afraid of spoiling it for the kids. So yeah, yeah. now that I know that kids are listening to and not just moms and dads, I'm like, oh, I got to be really careful. Right. We don't want to ruin the, you know, figuring out the mystery is half the fun. It is half the fun. I mean, that's like half of the guessing that the kids like doing is, you know, it's like our best meetings are midway through the book because they've all got theories and they're so creative that yeah. it's like, yeah. that's, it's so fun just figuring, you know, and because I've read it, 
then I sit there and they're like, well, you know, just tell us, am I right? I'm like, no, (laughs) (laughs) can't say. Well, and there is, there's a little mystery because on the cover of the book, there's a character that we talked about before, Jen, that is. Yeah, yeah described differently he's drawn differently on the cover of the book than he is described in the book so if any children can figure out which character that is i would love to hear from them okay we'll have well it'll be a challenge <laughs> and maybe you can come visit us when we read this in bookish too you i would share. love that you can drop in on our zoom yeah that would be really fun so do you have um, any other middle grade books that you want to promote for anybody else? What have you been reading? Oh my gosh. Well, I love uh, Lauren Volk. I'm reading Echo Mountain right now. I just picked it up. And my my good friend, Sally Pla, uh, sh- her two books, The Someday Birds and Stanley Will Probably Be Fine, both feature neurodivergent characters and both are wonderful. She's my she's my co-founder of A Novel Mind, which is a website that focuses on mental health and kidlit. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh gosh. Yes, please we check it out. We should talk about that. I will check it out, but you should talk about that some more. That is a database of a thousand plus books that are um, categorized and sorted by mental health issue and um, age group. And you can just go in and if you need a middle grade that features a character with anxiety, um, you can put those keywords in and come up with your books for your reader that might be needing to read about that. They're all fiction works. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. That will be very helpful because I, I get parents all the time asking, you know, do I know a good book about this or that? And, um, it's always nice to have another place to go, another resource for that. Yes, I, ho- I hope so. And there are some educator resources on on a page. And then we have um, guest bloggers every week, um, authors. Okay. So oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I will check that out. I don't know how I missed that. I don't know how you missed that either. There's so many books and so little time. And, you know, right. the well, bookish world is always expanding. This is a way to help you find those books. Perfect. Um, Perfect. So, yes. So Sally Pla's books are great. Michael Genhart, he's he's a friend and a uh, fellow. He's a psychologist and he is prolific. He has a lot of uh, picture books, though. Okay. Oh, good. I'm getting some new book recommendations. This is awesome. I'm scribbling them down so I can put them in the show notes. Okay. But, you know, I could play this back, but I'm lazy. I would rather write it down right now. Um, would you consider, this is my own non-scripted question, uh, writing another book about that Norwegian elf? Because <laughs> now I need to know. Right. How did I, you get there? I know. I would. I would. Absolutely. I mean, and it wasn't just one. It was twins. One was good and one was bad. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. I, I absolutely, I thought they were great. I love that. I loved yeah. them. And that's my early- maybe why she had you cut it. She knew that there was like a lot of potential. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, one never knows, you know, if they'd, who knows if we kept them, if it would have been even more successful book, but you gotta, ah, what do you gotta mean? believe the agent knows what she's doing. Yeah, exactly. Oh gosh. Well, this was so fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun talking to you.
I know. We'll have to do it again when your next book comes out. And um, we'll chat when we see each other around the internet now, because now we know each other. Yay. (laughs) That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bookish underscore society and on Twitter at bookish society. And of course, on our website, thebookishsociety.com. Thanks again to Chris Rieger for his audio engineering magic. 